Do you know that from your position you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We receive your word today with joy in our hearts. We receive your word today with submission to the authority of your word. We thank you because your word is effectual. We thank you because your word is good. We thank you because your word is full of power. And so we receive your word. And we thank you because our lives will never remain the same again. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Please, you may be seated. Do well to welcome someone beside you. Say you're welcome to Saul. Hallelujah. Choir, thank you. God bless you. Amen. Let's appreciate the choir. Real appreciation. Come on. Hallelujah. All right, um, let's go straight into the word. There are two points of revelation that I intend by the grace of God to bring to you if the Lord will permit me to go into the second one. But the first one is titled The Unfailing love of God. Hallelujah. The unfailing love of God. For something not to fail simply means it has no end. It, it is ceaseless. It is ceaseless. And secondly, it means it cannot disappoint. It cannot disappoint. So what we're talking about here is the ceaseless, unending, eternal cannot disappoint love of God. We're talking the love of God that can be relied upon the love of God that has integrity, the love of God that is dependable, the love of God that is sure, that is certain. That's what we're talking about here. Glory to God. See? Now, first and foremost, I want you to understand the nature of God, who God is. When I say the nature of God, I mean who God is by virtue of his person. Who God is. God is love. God is love. Tell it to your neighbor, say God 
is love. Look, look to someone and say, God is love. You see, God is love. God is not trying to be love. God is not loving to be love. God is loving because he's love. That's who God is. First John chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible tells us that God is love. The same thing is said in verse 16 of that same chapter. God is love. Amen. God is love. Again, in Exodus chapter 34, if we start the reading from verse 6, God revealed himself to Moses this way. He says, and the Lord passed by before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And then verse 7 says, keeping mercy for thousands, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Hallelujah. Notice that aspect of his judgment was put last. True or false? All right. Now, there were so many things said to start with, so many things before saying something about his judgment. Hallelujah. Now he says, the Lord, the Lord God. Now who is speaking here? The Lord himself. He's the one introducing himself to Moses. Now there's nobody who knows you as much as you. Hallelujah. You know, speaking naturally now. So God himself introducing himself to Moses and said, this is who I am. Now take me for what I see. Take me at my word. This is who I am. I'm not trying to be these. This is who I am. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful. Let's all say merciful. One more time, say merciful. Now, it puts merciful. It says merciful. And then it says gracious. Merciful and gracious. Oh, glory to God. Merciful and gracious abundant, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. God is abundant in goodness and truth. Now, how much of goodness is God full of? All goodness. Let's all say all goodness. Yeah. God is good. He's not trying to be good. God is good. Understand him from that perspective. That's who he is. God is a good God. He's merciful. He's merciful. Hallelujah. God is merciful. To be merciful simply means drawn towards another in compassion that you can forgive easily. All right, forgiveness 
is the major fruit of mercy. Forgiveness is the major fruit of mercy. When you say someone is merciful, that means the person can pardon. He can pardon. He can pardon. That's mercy. I've not seen, I, I looked through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, I have not found any word that can best explain mercy or mercifulness than forgiveness. Can anybody tell me any other word, any other act, any other deed that can best explain mercy or mercifulness other than forgiveness? (laughs) So when you say God is merciful, what does it mean? He's forgiving. He's forgiving. God is forgiving. Hallelujah. God is is forgiving. Tell it to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, God is forgiving. Look at someone else. Say, God is forgiving. Now understand that God is merciful. That means He's forgiving. He forgives. No, He forgives not because He has to forgive, He forgives because that's His pleasure. That's who he is. God is forgiving. And faith in God begins at the knowledge of who he is. You cannot truly believe in another until you know who the person is. Faith is reposed on Identity. Faith is reposed on identity. Faith is reposed on nature. Until you know who someone is, you cannot truly believe the person. Glory to God. That's how it works. Amen. I said amen. So God is forgiven. And then it goes on, it says, gracious. Let's all say gracious. One more time, say gracious. Now, when you talk about graciousness, let's all say graciousness. I checked through scriptures, I checked the dictionary, and I found out that graciousness can only be best explained by one word. Amen. Giving or kindness. Giving or kindness. When you say someone is gracious, it means the person is kind. The person is giving. Hallelujah. That's what it means. Giving or kindness. So God is forgiving and giving. He is merciful and gracious. He is merciful and gracious. Now, if someone will always give to you, Whatever you require or ask of him, irrespective of the situations and circumstances around him, that person is gracious. That person is kind. Now, I want you to understand these dimensions of God. God is forgiving and giving. What's the best word that can, 
what's the word that can best describe mercy or mercifulness? Forgiveness. What is the best word or the word that can best describe graciousness? Giving. (laughs) Glory to God. God is giving. And not only does God give, God gives more than you require. Amen. God is giving. All right. Now let's go move on to the next. Long suffering. God is long suffering. Hallelujah. That means he's patient. Patient. He's patient. Glory to God. That means he can control his temper. He doesn't get angry just at any action. God is long-suffering. To be long-suffering simply means, the word long-suffering, I checked through the Bible and I checked through the dictionary There's only one word that can best describe long-suffering. It's called temperance. Another translation puts it this way, slow to wrath. Long-suffering means God is slow to wrath. Now, I don't know the rate of God's anger. All right? But what the Bible tells me is slow to wrath. So that means God's anger can be measured this way, long-suffering. God is slow to wrath. He's temperate. He controls his disposition to people and to things. Some of us, you know, when we look at what is happening in Nigeria, for example, we feel like God should have descended on some people and he should have killed them, you know. In fact, 20 years before now. All right, but you see, God is not like that. You have to understand him. If God judges a man, did you hear me? If God judges a man, his cup is full and overflowing. If the judgment of God comes on anyone, that person has done things again and again and again, and the cup of that person is full and overflowing. Read through scriptures, everywhere God brings judgment upon people, It's after the first, the second, the third, or the fifth, or sixth, or tenth warning with a lot of patience. Glory to God. You remember when God told Abraham when he made a sacrifice unto the Lord and the Lord called a covenant with him, he said, know of of certainty that your seed will be taken into captivity in the land of Egypt. And they will be under the tyranny of that kingdom for 400 years. And then he says, and I will judge that kingdom for keeping them under for that long. He says, the reason I'm doing that is I want to keep them in an hostel in Egypt. Until the time appointed, I will bring them back to the land that I have promised you. Why? 
for the sin, the iniquity of the Amorites, the Amalekites, has not yet reached its peak. Until that time, I will not bring them back. I remember God brought them back in the fourth generation. A generation is roughly 100 years. And God is going to visit the iniquity of fathers upon their children and children's children unto the third and what? The fourth generation. See? So God was patient with the Amorites. Waiting for them, the first generation, the second, the third, the fourth generation, and they did not repent. So God drove them out of that land and then gave it to the children of Israel. And when Israel sinned against God, God was patient with them, and they kept doing that, and God drove them out of the same land. And then the people that he once drove away for Israel to take over, they came back. (laughs) Praise God. So God long suffers when he deals with people. All right? Now, how many of us know that concerning us in our own personal lives, God is long suffering with us? How many of us know you're not perfect? Yeah. And we 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 wouldn't have been this this pleasant. We wouldn't have come this far if not for the mercy of God. If not for the long suffering of God. How many of us know that? So God is long-suffering. God is long-suffering. Glory to God. What is the best word or the word I can best describe long-suffering? Temperance. He's slow to wrath. And then he says, an abundant in goodness. Let's all say goodness. Come on, say it again. Say goodness. Now, God is abundant in goodness. Notice what it says. It says he's abundant in goodness. I checked through the Bible and through the dictionary. There was only one word that could best describe goodness. Amen. Is over and above overflowing graciousness. When someone is gracious, is giving. When someone is good, is <laughs> over and above gracious. That means the person has overflowing graciousness. Goodness is a demonstration of benevolence. Goodness is a demonstration of loving kindness. Compassion that gives you more than you require. Compassion that does for you more than you need. It's called goodness. So when you say God is good, it means if you ask for two naira, he will give you 2,000 naira. That's the goodness of God. Israel was looking for God, seeking God their own way, but they did not find God. The Gentiles were not seeking God and God came for them. 
and said, those who sat in the region of darkness, they have seen a great light. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Now, if you want to look at the goodness of God, the goodness of God is displayed in his call or calling for our lives. Ever before you knew your right from your left, God chose you. He called you out of his goodness. Now that means he did not choose you because you were perfect. He did not choose you because you qualified for his choice or calling. He chose you because of his goodness. The goodness of God is abundant. The goodness of God is so abundant. So God is good. He is abundant in goodness. Lift your hands and thank him. Now if you came here to receive healing, not only will God give you healing, he will anoint you to heal the sick. Yeah, that's, a, that's God for you. He takes a beggar from the dung hill and sets him among the princes of his people. This is, is awesome. That's the goodness of God. A shepherd boy at the backside of the wilderness, he took him and made him king over his people. That's the goodness of God. Let's all say goodness. That's the goodness of God. Now, understand the goodness of God. The Bible didn't say God is good. It says God is abundant in goodness. Now, that's, that beats my mind, natural mind. That beats my imagination. Now, to be good is to be abundantly gracious, true or false. Now, for someone to be abundantly good, <laughs> boy, think about it. <laughs> There's somebody here, what God is going to do with your life, generations to come will look at you, they will sit down and say, ah, God is good. If you're that person here, shout a bigger amen. <laughs> That's the goodness of God. Someone goes about looking for his father's lost asses and then stumbled upon kingship. That's the goodness of God. <laughs> Saul of Kish, the first king of Israel, never in his life for once had never thought about kingship. He was just busy serving his father, looking for his father's asses, and God chose him. There was a day the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, surrender your dream to me. I have something better for you. Many of us, we think we can control our lives and rule our lives and then design our own destinies. You feel you are smart. All right? But compared to God's big dream for you, you are not smart at all. If you will surrender to God, God is so good. Notice the Bible didn't say God is good. He's so good. Because abundantly good is so good. God is abundantly good. He is abundant in goodness. <laughs> Glory to his name. Amen. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, do with my life what you have decided before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. 
Oh, come on, say it again. Say, Lord, do with my life what you decided before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. I have learned that. If there's anything to do, Lord, what's your plan for me? I know God is good. When God gives you his plan, understand it's bigger than your generation. Mm-hmm. God is good. Abundantly good. And notice what it says. It says, God is abundant in goodness and truth. The word truth there does not mean telling the truth. I checked throughout the Bible and I checked in line with God's word. I found that the word truth means faithful or faithfulness. Truth actually means the same, constant. Faith. When you see someone is faithful, the person is constant. Is the same. God is abundant in constancy, unchangeableness, immutability. <laughs> that means if there's anybody to depend upon in your life, <laughs> it is God. If you don't want to have any heartbreak, you don't want anybody to jilt you. Just trust in God. Outrightly. Did you get that? So God is abundant in truth. Let's all say truth. One more time, say truth. Oh, come on, say it. Say truth. God is abundant in truth. He's abundant in constancy, unchangeableness, immutability. God is dependable. From eternity to eternity, he will not change. He's the same. He's trustworthy. He's honest. Can be depended upon. You can bank on him. You can go to bank with his word and the cashier won't turn you back. Hallelujah. God is truth. You know, the Lord gave me this understanding of truth and it really blessed me. When you say God's word is truth, what does it mean? It cannot change. That's what it means. When you say something is truth, when you say, well, you've been truthful, you've been truthful to me, that means you've stayed with me irrespective of what has happened. You've been constant. And that's why anyone who understands God and who works with God all right, they are truthful as God and like God. See? It's called fidelity. You get married and you stay with your spouse, irrespective of what happens. In the vow of the covenant of marriage, it's called truthfulness. Amen. I, can't, I won't lose a sleep if my wife says, well, She's going to Australia for ministry for three years. I won't lose a sleep. And I <laughs> hope they won't carry my wife. <laughs> just, you know, I just know. <laughs> for some people, their hearts will go big, 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 big. This woman that has been with me, and she's just dancing to and fro. All right? Now, what if he, she leaves for three, four months? Lord have mercy. 
faithfulness. Let's not say faithfulness. God is faithful. He is abundant in faithfulness, truth. Lord, I trust you. Now, listen very carefully. I've not seen any form of trust this rich, this strong demonstrated by Jesus Christ. How many of us know Jesus Christ trusted in the Father? The Father said, you die and I will raise you up. <laughs> Boy, if you, really, if you really want to measure trust, that's how to measure trust. He didn't say you break your legs and I'll fi- fix it. You know, that's, you know. <laughs> you die, die. Die, all right? Not, I won't wake you up the next hour. You will die for three days. The third day. The same way Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. Now, you see, for someone to be in the belly of the fish and still interceding there, it takes a lot of trust that God can command the fish to vomit him. <laughs> That's what I say, trust. For someone to go into hell and the pangs of death held him. And God says, I will not suffer my Holy One to see corruption. You will be close to it, but you won't see it. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. I remember when the, this infernal thing happened, we were in that small room, all right, and the fire was really intense. And the fact that we came out alive, you know, <laughs> The fire that exploded the roof. Poor. And then we came out alive. Glory to God. You know, it showed me something that, look, if you can't trust God with your life, the life is worth nothing. Many of you struggling. God says you're a missionary. You know, I want to be a banker and all that. You're struggling. You're struggling with your life. You better trust God with your life. Now, you, you can't be the first person who is trusting God this much. Because you have not died before. In that sense of God telling you, die. And I will raise you up. For some of you, you feel like, <laughs> Father, <laughs> die. <laughs> you are not a minister of death. <laughs> you begin to cite God. You give life, not death. With these, the fountain of life, oh, Father. And in thy light, we shall see light. Amen. What did God tell Abraham? He said, leave your father's house. You know, you, at least you know your father's house, right? And then you know the, your relatives, the people that you are used to, your country, to a place that I will show you. That's trust, right? A place that I will what? Show you. Not a place that you know. Amen. I said amen. All we know about our destination in life is that it's a good one. But we don't know how good it is. We just trust God. 
All right? If you don't know where God is taking you, just base your faith, found your faith on the God you know. Who is taking you to that unknown place to you? It's called trust. Now, we can trust absolutely because we understand that God cannot change. I said God cannot change. He's abundant in truth. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's review quickly. Are you getting something from this? Now, God is merciful. What does that mean? He's forgiving. He's gracious. What does it mean? He's giving. He's long-suffering. What does it mean? He's temperate. He's slow to wrath. God is not hot-tempered. He's not ill-tempered. He's slow to wrath. Abundant in goodness. What does goodness mean? Huh? Overly gracious. <laughs> amen. I said amen. Glory to God. Mm. What does truth mean? Truth. Unchangeableness, faithfulness, immutability. Amen. How many of us know that when it comes to dealing with God, if you read through scriptures, I was studying the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I found out that God always wants to cut covenant with people who love him. Have you noticed that? Why? Because of his nature. He wants to secure his mercy with them forever. God is faithful. He's, he's a faithful God. He's abundant in truth. <sighs> How great is your goodness? Stored up for those who fear you. No end to the kindness that comes from you each day. We love and compassion. In the blah, blah, blah. I've forgotten that song, but at least that first part. Amen. Good song. God is good. All right, let's, let's move very quickly. Keeping mercy for thousands. Now, this is a little bit blind. All right? You see, if you read through scriptures, this is how to interpret scripture. If there's another example or instance or prior quotation in another part of scriptures, it is good you read everything together so that you can have a clear picture of what God is talking about. All right? Don't just stick with one, except that's the only one there. But it's very rare. Because God is the God of witness or witnesses. Out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, every word shall be established. All right? Now, what does that mean? I studied it. I found out a couple of things here. Turning your Bibles very quickly. 
to the book of Exodus chapter 20. We'll start reading from verse 5. If you have it, say amen. All right. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to idols, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now mark the word of them that what hate me. Now that is the qualification for the visit of God in judgment. You have to hate him before he can do that. Of them that hate me and showing mercy unto how many? Thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. How many of us got that? Good. So that means, go back to Exodus 34 now. It says, keeping mercy for thousands. All right? What does that mean? Keeping mercy for thousands. All right? Of them that what? Love me and keep my commandments. That means God will preserve his mercy. For thousands. That means unto a thousand generation of them that love me and keep my commandments. And then it says forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And upon the children's children. Unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, based on this, when people talk about generational curses, for example, you say, well, generational curses, you know, in families and all that. And now that you're born again and you love the Lord, there's no such thing as generational curses. There's no iniquity that God is going to visit upon you, not the second, not the first, not the second, not the third, not the fourth generation. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. Number one, the blood has taken care of that. You've been forgiven. Praise the Lord. Number two, now the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Number three, now you're walking in love towards God. I always say to people, I said, beloved, there's only one sure place of safety in our walk with God. It's called the secret place of the Most High. What is that place? It's a place of love, affection. Hallelujah. It's a place of affection. It's a place of affection. What does it mean to love God? It's very simple. Someone says, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. What does that mean? I love the Lord. John fourteen fifteen. What does it mean? I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Amen. John fourteen fifteen. Not Joshua. John fourteen fifteen. Hallelujah. Can we read together, everybody? One, two, three. Let's go. If you love me, keep my commandments. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Is putting him first in all that you do and then doing what he tells you to do. That's it.
That's the love of God. The love of God is that we keep his commandment. That's the love of God. Amen. That's the love of God. That is the love of God. Hallelujah. How many of you here love the Lord your God? Come on, you really do with your hands. You love God. Somebody is not lifting his hands. I'm not sure I love him. Amen. But I do anyway. Say with your mouth, I love the Lord my God. With all my heart. With all my soul. With all my strength. Hallelujah. God says, if even if your father was an idol worshiper or your great-great-grandfather was an idol worshiper, and now you're born again, you're not worshiping idol anymore. You're preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. All you need to do is say, Father, I thank you because I love you. There's no iniquity to visit anymore. Not the third, not the fourth generation. In fact, that understanding, before we even go into new creation realities, that understanding alone is strong enough not to break any generational curse, except you're a hater of God. And if you hate God, there's no cause to break. It's already on you. Amen. I said amen. Our, our insurance and security in God is just loving him wholeheartedly. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. I said amen. For example, my father, my earthly father, was a polygamist. Amen. Now, for me to be playing with fornication and adultery is to allow that wicked demon gain entrance into my life. So, I don't even go come close to it. Praise God. For you to do such a thing, you have to hate God to do that. Amen. A curse, causeless, shall not come. Have you read that before? Why did God curse the land for Adam's sake in the beginning after the fall? What happened? Adam sinned, right? The the reason for curses is sin, sin, sin. And not sin in that sense because we are still going to come to it. It It's iniquity. So what's the difference? That's why we are studying the Bible. The Bible says God forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Have you read that before? Yeah. And I, I was studying the Bible. I found out that the reason God judged people all through scriptures is not for their sins, but for their iniquity. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lift up your hand and say, I am blessed. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. One more time. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. One more time. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. See, all I do, I get busy loving God. Amen. Just get busy loving God. Loving God with all my heart, with all my life. Now, it does not matter, or it didn't matter, or it doesn't matter what my father's did in my natural lineage. 
It makes no difference. Glory to God. You see, if God is not visiting iniquity, there's no devil that can visit it. You see, demons operate within the permission of God's justice. That's why they have to make people break the word of God so they can have entrance or entry into their lives. You remember what Balaam taught Balak to do? He said, well, I've been trying to curse these people, but they cannot be cursed. The shout of the king is in their midst. Dominion is in their midst. Instead of cursing them, he kept blessing them. He said, but there's only one thing I know. All right? Losing your loose women into their midst and let them sin against their God. Then we can curse them. Did it happen? It happened. They, They were destroyed, wasted in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Uh He said, just losing your loose women, that's all. Let them sleep with them, mess up, all right? (laughs) Then we can now say something, it will happen to them. You see what I'm saying? That means even that prophet, Balaam, could not curse them until Israel broke the word of God. Who is it that speaketh and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it. I tell believers, you're born again now. Don't, don't walk in the flesh. You don't have time. Your fathers, your great-grandfathers lied and lied and lied and lied. Don't join them. All right? They fornicated, committed adultery. Don't join them. Now you found mercy. You're born again. Oh, glory to God. Walk in the light. Eventually, you make any mistake don't let it get to the next day immediately right there and there repent, receive the mercy of God and press on can someone say amen to that uh-huh. don't say eh, eh. You, do you even know what the pastors do all those pastors you know, do you know what they do All right. What, what does that have to do with you <laughs> glory to God lift your hands and say I have found the mercy of God Come on, say, say, I have found the mercy of God. How many of us have been forgiven by God here? That, you found mercy. That's what it means. Mercy is forgiveness. If you have been forgiven, you've received mercy. Lift up your hand and say, I have received mercy. Hallelujah. Yeah, you have. You have. So he says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation of those who what? Hate him. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with everything within me. Hallelujah. I love the Lord my God. The culture of loving God and putting God first is the culture of the blessing. Did you hear that? Teach your children to love God. Let the culture of honoring God and putting God first be in your generation, in your lineage. There's no devil under heaven that can cause that lineage. There's nowhere anything can come from the devil to affect that lineage. Glory to God. 
So God is merciful. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. God is abundant in goodness and truth. God keeps mercy for thousands. And then the Bible says, forgiving what? Iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, what is iniquity? I found that from studying scriptures, it's quite long, so we may not have the time to study everything because we have, you can do a study on that. Just type iniquity and iniquities and then study all the scriptures. It took me quite some time to do that. I found out something that iniquity is an attitude of mind against God that breeds actions or works that are against his will. Is an attitude of mind. If you read, find the word iniquity in the book of Psalms, you see the Holy Spirit through David was talking about walkers of iniquity, walkers, doers, walks of iniquity. But if you study it in the law, it talks about an attitude of the mind. And then I also found out that iniquity also means bent in error, bent in unrighteousness. So I joined everything together. An attitude of mind that produces works of unrighteousness and sin against God that causes a bent in the wrong direction. It's called iniquity. For example, let me explain it. If someone, for example, masturbates the first time and feels bad about it, all right, that is sin. But the person does it again and again and again, and the person sees it as the right way of doing things and doesn't see anything wrong in it and does it again and again consistently, it's called iniquity. Sin could be an omission or a commission. Sin is an act against the revealed will of God. Transgression is a deliberate act against the revealed will of God. And then it says God forgives all the three dimensions of error. He forgives iniquity. He forgives transgression. He forgives sin. And if God is going to judge any land, he judges the land for iniquity, primarily, not sin. For example, when God was to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened? He saw their iniquity. It was the iniquity he saw. And then he destroyed the land with fire. They had an attitude that was anti-God producing wrong acts consistently And they never saw anything wrong in it. And that's why one has to be careful. In our walk with God, don't let sin 
deceive you. It's called the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives and then hardens the mind to become rebellious against God and then one begins to do things that are wrong and then someone's you see people who are bold in wickedness they tell you what 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 are what is it what is it is it, is it the first time you see someone double dating what is it I met a brother like that in Calabar where I served triple dating three Christian ladies all right? He was at the center of them all. And he was spreading his shoulders like this. And then I called him. I said, well, he said, well, he, he just loves playing around ladies. And I said, ah, are you born again? He said, yes. Well, I said, you have to get rid of this thing. It's called iniquity. How can you be doing evil and be bold in the midst of it? Amen. If you know what people sleep over, <laughs> it will shock you. For some people, if something is not right between themselves and a neighbor or their neighbors, they can't sleep over it. They must reconcile. For some people, they will sleep and snore over it. It's terrible. Amen. Don't let that. Don't get into that. You know? There was a beloved one. All right? Got born again. Didn't even know. You know, the way she grew up, the parents raised them to go out and faint for themselves. So she grew up going out, running after men, giving her body for money. Alright? Now she got born again and then she said, well, she's not doing it as wild as she used to, but she still keeps one or two. And I said, no, that's iniquity. Repent of it. Let it go. You don't do such things anymore. Amen? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Say it with your mouth. Say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. One more time, say my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. God can take care of us as our source. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's called iniquity. Now, if anybody recognizes an attitude of the mind that is against the revealed will of God, producing acts of unrighteousness, notice what Jesus said. When they said, in your name, those guys came in your name. We did this. We worked wonders. We worked miracles. He said, depart from me, from me, ye workers. Iniquity is a work. It's an employment. It's a profession. Ye workers of iniquity. I do not know you. Amen. So the Bible says to examine ourselves. Don't let anything become a yoke in your life. That you begin to replicate evil. Without knowing it. Amen. But the very moment it comes to mind, you repent of it. God says, the three dimensions of error, I will forgive. Forgiving what? Iniquity. Transgression. And what? Sin. 
Hallelujah. Oh, he's so merciful. Lift your hands and say, God is merciful. One more time, 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 say, God is merciful. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Someone said something about a particular family. Incest was the iniquity. The father sleeps with the daughters. The sons sleep, you know, brothers. They sleep with their sisters. I'm not sure the sons sleep with the mother too. Well, it was, it was just, and it's a way of life. For some in the barracks, particularly police barracks, you see, They'll be watching the husbands of the women they play around. The very moment he goes out and is on duty, they pounce on their wives. It's called in, it's a dirty act. It's, it's a profession of death. Amen. We hate it with a passion. Glory to God. Lift your hands. I love the Lord my God. With all my heart, with all my mind, with everything within me. The Lord my God is my dread. The Lord my God is my fear. The Lord my God is my delight. Hallelujah. Praise God. I once met another young man. I'm talking about iniquity. It's a terrible thing. Very brainy young man, intelligent. All right? Was in OAU here, studying medicine, but couldn't finish because he was too intelligent to have finished. You know what he does? He writes exams for people as a contractor, collects money from them. And then he goes to write exams for people, moving from one university to another. He was too intelligent to have finished medicine from where you here. It's called iniquity. I saw him one time. He could quote anything. And I looked at him. I said, this man, Lord have mercy. He's bent in unrighteousness. And there was one innocent lady following him all around. I said, do you want to marry that one? He said, eh, I know he has challenges, but there's something within me that says that's my husband. I said, well, <laughs> why not let that thing hold on and clarify first. Clear it. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You know, sometimes when some ladies speak, you know what I feel like doing? It, giving them a knock on the head. That's all. <laughs> And then just once, and the anointing will come all over you. You just shake and say, Pastor, I understand what you mean. Ah, you know, it's emotion without brain. It amazes me. And when the issue now, you know, starts, and you're not facing it big time, that's the, I'll say, the Lord is your strength. The grace of the Lord is sufficient for thee. <laughs> I said, Pastor, I have done three days fasting, dry fasting. 
praying for this man. You can do seven days. I'll measure it for you. Lord, have mercy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. And I shook my head. I said, I sat him down. We we're talking. And I saw that, you see, iniquity is a breeding, breeding ground for demons. When you get into iniquity, oh boy, demons recognize iniquity. You don't have to invite them at will. They come. And I saw, while he was speaking, it was a lying spirit speaking. You know some people lie without knowing it. They will be lying like this. And when you talk to them, I say, no, this is, you're lying. And he said, me lying? <laughs> you're lying? And they will be crying. He said, you just told a lie. I didn't tell you a lie. All right, it's called iniquity. It's a terrible thing. Lying without repenting and keep lying without repenting will make a lie out of your mindedness. You seize it, you stop it there and say, you foul spirit, I'm not a liar, I'm a Christian. And this tongue is blessed. I won't tell the second lie. And you see, let me say this. Anybody I lie to the next time, I will go and confess to the person, I told you a lie. So the shame you don't want, eh? You tongue, you cooperate. I'll keep telling people around I lied. You see, the next moment, you see, you have to be desperate with iniquity. You don't say, you say des- you're desperate with iniquity. Your father was or is a polygamist. You don't like one woman at once. You like six, seven at once. What does that tell you? <laughs> at once. Everyone, you just, <laughs> I just like that one. Or that. You are just smiling. Can you show me your brain Don't, never think that. Ah, they just like me. They just like me. <laughs> just like me. Like me. You remember how your father ended? Or is ending? Don't touch that thing. You fight it with every, every, every grace on the inside. I have been redeemed. You enforce redemption. Amen? Jesus paid the full price. He set me free. I can't be bound anymore. I refuse to be entangled. I stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made me whole. I refuse to be entangled again with any yoke of bondage. Amen? That's out. Don't just say it's, it's one of those things. I don't just know why. You know, it just like me. You know, I don't buy anything. It's the favor of God. This one cooks rice. The other one beans. The other one, they just, they just bombard me with food. They are just all around me. They're just all around me. Better be careful what you are eating. They're just all around you. You know, <laughs> let me say this and then we'll move to the next level. I'm helping someone here. I'm, I'm following the Holy Spirit. Amen. I remember when I was pastoring on campus, there was a lady I went to visit, and then she presented food for me to eat. Of course, with a free heart, Babs was already said before you eat, asking no questions. All right. 
All creature of God is good, not that we refuse if accepted with thanksgiving. It is set apart with the word of God and with prayer for those who know the truth. So, I wanted to eat, but the Spirit of God said to me, don't eat this one. Well, I obeyed him. I did not eat it, though I was really hungry. <laughs> Much later, I discovered that she had anointed the food with anointing oil, claiming my soul as her own. There are witches in church. They don't have to fly at night. But that's witchcraft. Witchcraft simply, listen, witchcraft simply means manipulation. Why should, you don't want to do it. I, I, never, I never liked her to be my wife, you understand? But I appreciated her as a sister. Why should you claim my soul? <laughs> no, come on. That's terrible. Don't claim anybody's soul. Don't do such a thing. That's witchcraft. Why should you claim somebody else's soul? A whole soul. That Jesus died for and shed his blood. You want to claim like that? Just because you want to marry the person for 50, 60 years that the eternal blood of Jesus paid for. Amen. Some will be eating rice anyhow all around because, you know, you better be careful. I'm not saying you should not, you should be suspicious, but be careful. Follow the spirit of God. People just present. I mean, claiming my soul. Can you imagine? She was not ready for ministry. She wasn't ready for anything. She just wanted to be beside me, just, you know, following me all around and said, oh, well, that's my husband. My soul. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. It's terrible. All right? God gave man dominion over the birds of the air, the fishes in the ocean, the plant kingdom, over all the earth, but not over another man. If you like someone enough and you feel the person should be your husband or your wife, go and ask the father. Father, tell the father from your heart. I lost those person know. And I want to marry him. What, do you, what can you say? Or what do you want to say to it? And then the father will reveal his will to you. That's not your husband. Alright. And then you say, father, remove this inordinate affection. from my, Just remove it supernaturally. And God will remove it. There was a brother. Can you imagine? He said he wanted a sister. And the sister said, brother, I love you as a brother in the Lord, but not to be my husband. He did not change his mind. The sister got married, and he was still praying on the mountain that God should kill her husband. I mean, you see, see, that's iniquity. You see, it's a mindset that you cannot replicate. How can you be praying such a prayer? The both of you have equal right to life. Why should someone die for you to leave? Jesus died for us to leave. Amen. And that's the only one that is permitted. Don't kill any other person. I was praying dangerous prayers. Can you imagine? For someone else to die, and you cannot claim the wife. What if she now marries another person? 
You now continue your prayer again. A whole lifetime in iniquity. What kind of mindset is that? Someone is married, is married. What does that tell you? He tells you, you see, if the death of one spouse in marriage permits one to marry another person, and you can still be fulfilled with that person you marry, it tells you that there's, not, there's nothing like one woman or one man for you. Because the person may say, I'm not interested. Does that mean your destiny is doomed? What makes you relevant to another person in destiny is your preparation and your yieldedness to God. God can, God can raise another person. So this wrong idea that it has to be someone, I don't know where they got that from. Praise the Lord. See? So you see, we have to learn these things. Don't, don't be forceful to get things you know, against the will of other people. Don't do that. Alright? If I want God to reach someone, or I want to reach someone, alright, according to God's will, I reach that person by God, the Father of all spirits. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, this is what your word says. And then, touch the heart of this person. The hearts of kings and princes and your hand. In line with your word, not in line with my selfish desire. Praise the Lord. And for some of us here, ladies who are not married, you have to change your mind, mindset now. Some of you, you grew up crying to get everything from your parents. All right? You're about to get married. You think you would do that with your husband, except he doesn't understand the word of God. You can't cry to get things from me that way, against my will, if it's not the right thing to do. All right? In vain, you cry. I will not look at it. Ask my wife. All right? Bring your strong reasons. You present your strong reasons. We have to do this and all that. All right. I'm not yet convinced. And then she will bring stronger reasons. <laughs> oh, she, she's, she's not greeting me. She now does like that. I'll go and touch her. I'm not going to change my mind. Check her sorrow. Present your strong reasons. Don't manipulate people. Talk to them. Share with them. Don't manipulate anybody. If a lady says she's not interested, all right, go repackage your proposal again. I'm a destiny man. I'm going somewhere, you know. And then he says, I'm not interested. <laughs> all right. You can do it the third time. Out of the mouth of two or more witnesses. Repackage. And if she insists, I'm not interested. Just leave her alone. Alright? For some of you, you don't like to manipulate directly, but you do it indirectly. You tell your mother. You know, some people, they are Christians now, and they know they can't do some things. But they tell people who can do evil. Why, why should you do such a thing? It's terrible. They go and tell you, go and tell my mother, that there's someone I like, but... Alright, 
should you go and tell your mother? You know what your mother is capable of. Why did you tell her? Don't tell people. You're someone who, is, who does evil. Who can be taking names to prophets. You're not going to tell the person. You now say, we, me, I can't be going to prophets all around. But you have told someone who can go to prophets all around on your behalf. Lift up your hands. Say, thank you, Lord. I have been forgiven. One more time. Say, thank you, Lord. I have been forgiven. Glory to God. I'm never to understand what iniquity is. You see? For example, in Nigeria, right now, corruption is not a sin. It's an iniquity. True or false? Yeah. That's the way people see it. When you don't give them, you see, even a security guy, he's doing his job. And then he wants to open the gate. He's opening the gate gradually. <laughs> because you're not bringing out anything. He's opening it. And then... He now looks at you as though you're from Neptune or Pluto. Is this person a Nigerian? Oga, you they go like that. <laughs> Say, I'm, I'm going. Uh, just like that. Uh, the guy does it and he feels it's right. That's one thing with the Nico. He feels that's the right way. Now. If, if you don't give him, you are a sinful person. He feels you are, you are wicked. You are not Libra. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord says to, to say one more thing and then I leave this. You have to deal. For those who, for example, you like to see naked ladies, nude. And you just have to go to that site. Somehow you click around it, all right? And for some, there's something desiring to go there in your mindedness. Why? That's iniquity. What is that called? You have to deal with it. And you don't deal with iniquity saying... Lord, Lord, I repent. You see, your repentance brings forgiveness from God. All right? Not a change of attitude in your own life. A change of attitude comes as a result of retraining. Are we together? God will forgive because that's who God is. You can't change him. But you see, for some, you have to you have to do away with that app on your laptop or on your iPad or whatever, your phone, for as long as you have dealt with it. Are we together? Deal with it. Praise the Lord. One of these days, maybe another Saul, I'll teach us what it means to activate the covenant of God through the practice 
of the altar and sacrifices. Amen. I said amen. Uh When Israel sinned against God and they went into exile, all right, and then they repented, the priests would take the law, read it to them, read it to them, read it to them, and then they will call to remembrance the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And then they will build an altar before God and offer sacrifices and reenact the covenant of Abraham. They come with their offerings and their tithes. And in no time, God gives them favor before those heathen kings and they return back to their land. The covenant had been there, but they never activated it. The same thing with wrong act, acts and iniquitous living. What it does, it activates a flow that is negative. And for someone who is spiritually sensitive, you understand you don't activate those negative things. Stay in the love of God. Stay in the will of God. Refuse to give room to the wicked one. The Bible says, and give no place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any room in your life. Amen. I said amen. I believe you've been blessed by that, right? Lift your hands and say, the Lord, the Lord God. Merciful. Gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercies for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is merciful. Glory to God. Psalm 103 and verse 8. Psalm 103 and verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, long-suffering or slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Plenteous in mercy. Hallelujah. There is nothing he cannot forgive. Did you hear that? There is nothing God cannot forgive. There is nothing he cannot forgive. He's plenteous in mercy. How many of us know the reason Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel to the inhabitants of Nineveh? Because of, he, was, he was afraid of the mercy of God. Now, Jonah wanted to protect his integrity as a prophet. You know the integrity of a prophet? He said it and it happened. He said God would destroy the whole land and nobody was kept alive. That's the prophet of God. <laughs> but Jonah, Jonah knowing God. Look at, look at Jonah chapter 1, chapter 4. Let's start reading from verse 1 quickly. <laughs> now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise, Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's go quickly to chapter 4 and verse 1. 
But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry that God pardoned the iniquity of the inhabitants of Nineveh and granted them mercy. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tashish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. I knew it. That was why I was running away from you. Not because of your terribleness, but because of your graciousness. <laughs> and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Hmm. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. Kill me. I can't face this shame. For it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would come become of the city. You know, he was still expecting <laughs> that fire will come down from heaven <laughs> and destroy them. You know, that was, Jonah knew, the, he, he caught the revelation of the graciousness of God. So he said, Lord, I will not go there and preach to them because they will repent and if they repent, you will forgive them and I will be taken for a false prophet. And the Lord God prepared a God and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the God. You know, you see, he was, um, he was in a desert place. And he was there expecting evil to happen to the inhabitants of Nineveh. But the sun was so scorching. And so God had to cover him and shield him. And the Bible says, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day. And he smote the God that it withered. He was enjoying it. He was taking solace under the shadow of that covering. And then God told the worm, destroy it the following day. And then look at his reaction. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement his wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. Maybe he was bald-headed. <laughs> the thing was beating his head that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. He kept saying that. And God said to Jonah, Does thou, doest thou well to be angry for the God? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. You sent me, I'm your messenger. And then this is just a small covenant I'm just enjoying. And then you destroyed it again and sent wind again and scorching sun on my head. I should be angry unto death. Now, you see, can you imagine someone talking to God that way? He was talking from a revelation. Now, even if he talks that way, to a degree, and then God says, this is what I'm doing now, he would just say, Lord, you're merciful and gracious. And I repent. <laughs> Jonah had a revelation of the graciousness of God. Not when he went to Nineveh before. That was why he did not want to go to start with. 
Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the God, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spend anything? That great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons. Six score. A score is what? Twenty. Six score. <laughs> that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. God says, these guys are ignorant. They don't even know the difference. And also, much cattle. Go on. And should, should, should not I spend in the that great city? All right. Yes, go on. Verse 12. Is that the end? Go to the next chapter. Is that the end? Can you imagine? <laughs> it ended with a question. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Now, let me tell you this today. God says to tell some people here, I'm opening to you a new page, a new chapter. Now, note it, for those who have misused opportunities in the past, write this date down. Thus saith the God of mercy. Thus saith the gracious God. I give you a fresh opportunity to rewrite your history to rewrite your desires I want to make an altar call right now if you know that you have been iniquitous and you know you have squandered some opportunities in the past and you want God's mercy for a fresh start run to the altar quick if you don't come then you've not caught the revelation of God's mercy yet Run to the altar. Come quickly, come quickly. Just come, kneel down before the Lord here and just stretch forth your hand and receive that mercy. Like Jonah, who understood the graciousness of God. Come on, receive the mercy of God right now. Don't forget, there is nothing God cannot forgive. Never forget that. Forgiving iniquity transgression and sin. There is nothing he cannot forgive. All you have to do right now is to turn it over to him and say, Lord, I receive your mercy. For some of you here, you're standing for your family. You're representing your family, your family, your family. God is bringing deliverance to your family. He's bringing deliverance to your household. For some of you, you are representing your siblings, your brothers, your sisters. God is turning it around. Receive that mercy. The unfailing love of God is turning it around. It's turning it around. Fresh opportunities come your way. For those of you who have handled contracts before, jobs for people, and you mismanaged their money, there's mercy for you today. God is giving you fresh opportunities. Big contracts will come your way 
is giving you another opportunity. God is merciful. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity, transgression and sin. He's forgiven. He's forgiven. Many of you here, because of the grace of God you have found, you will be an exact opposite of your fathers, your great-great-grandfathers who have walked against the will of God. You will show forth the goodness of God and the truth of God. Your life will be so different and people will look at you and say, your own case is different. That's what God is doing right now. You have found mercy. You have found grace. You have found grace. Lift your hands and receive. Just receive. Receive his mercy. Receive his grace. You have. You have found it. You have found it. You have found it. You have found it. Oh Lord, we give you praise. You have found it. You have found it. You have found his grace. You have found his mercy. Gambro sacoto morotele gradistus. Crepo combro le catasa corotomonongre de galabahaya. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Come on, receive that message. Draw it. God is redefining experiences here. In your family. Yes, in your family. In your family. God is redefining your experiences. In your family. God is changing things right now. He's turning things around for you. I know what I'm talking about. For some of you here, within the next seven days, you will, you will share testimonies that will shock your entire generation. What your fathers have not been able to achieve all through their lives. Within the next few months or the end of this year, you will achieve much more. For you have found the mercy of God. There is nothing God cannot forgive. Don't forget that. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He is merciful. He is merciful. La bocote cabra de gladosha. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Lift up your two hands towards heaven. As a father, as a servant looks up to his master. Look up to God with so much desire right now. I see 
the heavens rent open and I see the floods of God's goodness. Oh, hallelujah. There's somebody here. Within the next seven days from now, your life will be so turned around that it will be outrightly different from what you've experienced so far. If you're that person, say bigger amen. There's someone here, a book of remembrance has been opened to your family. Every evil occurrence is hereby terminated. If you believe it, say bigger amen. Stand to your feet. There's something I want you to do. Make room. At least you can take a step this way. Alright? Make room. Stand in a place where you can take a step forward. Have you done that? Lift up your right hand. Now what you're about to do (laughs) is so, so prophetic. The Spirit of God says to do it. How many of you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ has shed his blood for you? You believe it? And how many of us believe in the efficacy of that blood? The effectiveness of the blood. You believe it? Now lift up your right hand. When I say you should take a step, all right, take a step with your right leg forward when I say to to do so. Say these words after me. Say, in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it like you mean it. Say, in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood has been shed for me. Oh, come on, cry it out loud. The blood of Jesus has been shed for me. For the remission of my sins.
more iniquity. No more transgression. No more sin. We are free. We are free. We are free. I am free. I am free. One more time shout it out loud. I am free. And then say these words. Devils. Your time is up. Your ministry is over. Angels of God. Take over. Take over. Take over. Angels of favor. Take over. Angels of the blessing. Take over. Angels of the blessing. Take over. Angels of health. Angels of prosperity. Take over. 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 In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a shout of praise. We know you've been blessed by this message. For further information and details on how to be a partner, please contact Shagul Badger Teaching Ministries on plus 234-7066-453122 or plus 234-80601-00093. Stay blessed.